do it. You know why you do it. You don't do it because you get paid well. You don't do it because men love you. You do it because you love men. And because more than that, you want to honor God. Thank you for listening to Protestia tonight for Tuesday, March 16th, 2023. This is the program that we hope will be glorifying to God, convicting the sinners, and edifying to the saints. A program with sincere questions and biblical answers. Thank you for tuning in. This program is brought to you by our patron supporters who for only $5.95 a month or various other levels of support can uh, support this. You can support this program financially. Uh, $5.95 a month will get you the full version of this program, which includes the free portion you were listening to right now and the PT VIP, where we answer sincere questions and you can drive the content of this program. We're going to be talking today about, and I, I, I mean, I guess I didn't realize this. Uh, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about what apparently is now being dubbed loser theology. And I'm looking around saying, wait a minute. I I did not realize that I was a loser, uh, adhering to loser theology, but that is, that is what is going on, or at least how it's being described based off of a, a John MacArthur clip. I, I don't know how this keeps happening. People keep grabbing MacArthur stuff. I would argue out of context very often, or at least misinterpreted. If you know anything about what John MacArthur teaches, it gets thrown out there. It's like chum in the water for every um, would-be Twitter theologian who you know may, may be uh, consistent with their theology, may not be, it may be all over the map, but suffice it to say, they, we seem to be talking, like I've said many times before, right past each other on these things. So we're gonna we're gonna go through this and describe. Um, maybe explain why uh, premillennialism, even dispensational premillennialism that John MacArthur would hold to is not quote unquote loser theology, nor did he call it that. Um, you guys know, I'm not, I'm not a John MacArthur apologist. Uh, we have been critical of things with John MacArthur and with grace community church, because that's what you do when you, uh, in the spirit of Christian brotherhood and in the spirit of, robust debate and um, iron sharpening iron. You can go to protest here right now and find things that are, that are critical um, of John MacArthur. It's not a lot because we would argue his theology is very solid. He has a long track record of, track record of faithful ministry. And yet it amazes me that we got a, a lot of um, younger guys out there, guys that are roughly my age that have, that have decided um, that they're, that, they they finally figured out why John MacArthur's wrong about whatever it is. But usually, I say usually because there are some things, but usually it's it ends up being no, no, you're not listening. You're not you're taking this little clip out of context and you're not placing it in the context of what this man has taught and preached for like 50 years. The least we can do if we're gonna have this debate. We're going to have debates about whose eschatology is loser theology and, and whatnot and, and which eschatology actually um, uh, equips people for the culture war and all this. We should at least have it on the merits of what the man teaches and not on some out-of-context clip on the internet. So here we are. I, I realize that in discussing this, I am going to disagree fervently with 
men that I like and respect and consider friends, definitely consider brothers. Um, but that's, that, that's what we have to do. That's what this program is for. And we would not be loving to them if we weren't willing to just openly, um, throw our hat in the ring and defend, uh, defend John MacArthur when, uh, he should be, and not that he needs defend defending or something like that, but at least we should explain this because I think there are a lot of, like I said, real, um, uh, there's a lot of youthful ignorance going on on the internet right now. And, um, God forbid that I jump in the ring as a, as a, you know, relatively young man in my forties to put this out there, but that's what we're going to be talking about. We'll walk through it and uh, we'll bring scripture to bear and explain why, um, why I would argue that premillennialism, because I mean, you guys know that I'm a premillennialist and let's, let's say dispensational, um, adjacent. I don't, dispensational, um, uh, ish, you know, we, we, we can dig into that later, but the, the criticisms that have come out, uh, against John MacArthur saying what he said are criticisms against premillennialism generally and claiming basically that premillennialists and, and dispensationalists, yes, but premillennialism generally is somehow a toothless eschatology when it comes to fighting the culture war. And I want to explain why not only is that not the case, but premillennialism is is a um, it is a tougher, more robust eschatology when it comes to the culture war. I'm going to explain why uh, I believe that to be the case. I expect a lot of people to disagree with me. Patrons of this program and of Protestia will disagree with me. A lot of friends I have in the post millennialist camp, and yet um, it's 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 our turn to answer and make our case for why we would argue. I would argue at least. Um, that premillennialism is actually the culture warrior's eschatology of choice. But before we get to that, the most important thing, the reason this program exists is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, none of this matters. None of this talking doctrine and eschatology and, and, and the, the details of, of theology matter at all if we don't get the plumb line basic uh, reason that we're all doing this correct. And that is the gospel and the... Uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, which is, it, it starts with the bad news that we're all sinners. We're all born into sin. We're all born um, rebels against God. And yet because of his love for the world, I'm, and I'm not saying that to mean every single person, but his, his, his love for the world um, brought Jesus Christ down to um, be born of a virgin, live a perfect life earn righteousness on our behalf, and then essentially trade that righteousness. We're considered righteous when we place our faith, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ. And he bore the penalty and punishment for our sin on the cross. He did this out of love. And if you place your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, salvation can be yours by the uh, purchase uh, made by Jesus with his blood and his death on the cross. Jesus died on that cross and on the third day was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, conquering death and proving his sacrifice was accepted. Jesus paid a price to the Father that we were supposed to pay. And because of his love for us, we did not pay it. And instead, we are counted as righteous, judicially righteous before the Father. Um, Jesus was raised on the third day, was seen by many, many witnesses, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father where he intercedes on our behalf. Uh, that That's the purpose with all of this. The reason that we the reason that we discuss theology, the reason that we dig into these issues is because the truth of God's word is of first importance. As Paul said, he brought the truth of the gospel 
and emphasize it as a matter of first importance. People talk about theology like it's some um, you know checkbox to check as they're as they're trying to exercise their Christian faith, or as it's theology is somehow some way to know Jesus better. And in truth, theology proper, the study of God's word, the study of God's truth, and and Jesus, Jesus is described as the word. He is truth. So theology is theology is the purpose. It's not just a tool. Knowing God better, being discipled, becoming um, uh, more conformed to the character of Christ is the reason that we do all of this. It's not we're not on our way to something else. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the purpose. Jesus is the the destination for believers as we work out our salvation and our sanctification. And so we have this we have this video here. We have this video placed on, oh, but I almost forgot to mention, um, not only can you support us on Patreon, but you can also uh, support us by subscribing to the insurgency email list. Now you don't need to do both. I, I know there's some folks that do both and they, they want to do both. And we love you for that. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, you can sign up for the free version of the insurgency three days a week. You'll get banned news links or pay uh, the, the $7 a month for the paid version and get, get it six days. Um, if you join us on Patreon, we can add you to the insurgency email list paid version for free. Just send me a message and Patreon will get that done. Um, also, I would be remiss in saying that we are um, doing a little GoFundMe to get us to the SBC annual meeting because it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy in about a month. Uh, I guess a little less than a month now. Uh, we want to be there for the fireworks and we we uh, appreciate the little financial boost to, to to pay to get us out there. You guys are wonderful. We will be reporting back on all the craziness, um, as only protestia can. Okay. On to the, the, the issue of the day. And, you know, I realize we, we went through a John MacArthur thing last week and this is similar, but I, I guess I, maybe I take it a little bit more personally because I, I continue to see, um, you know, post-millennial friends, or it's not always post-millennialists. I don't want to just, just blame it on them, but I, but I see a lot of uh, um, armchair Twitter types pointing the finger at the uh, 50-year-old faithful pastor here and calling what he said some sort of a um, an expression of quote-unquote loser theology. And I guess I take that personally as someone that is also pre-millennial and would argue um, – is fighting the good fight in the culture war and, and someone who has um, faced uh, some persecution and paid, paid uh, prices for public publicly fighting uh, for exactly what um, all of my post-millennialist uh, friends would want to be fighting for. I, I, maybe I take it a little too personally. I'm not sure, but we're, let, let's go through the quote and, and er, the, the clip here. And I, and I want to explain a few things Um let me let me switch it over here. All right, so there we go. Let's just let's let's listen to it. Oh, guess what? We don't win down here. We lose. And so that's 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 like the quote. Oh, he said we lose down here. Therefore, it's loser theology. You ready for that? Oh, you were a post millennialist. You thought we we're just going to go waltzing into the kingdom as you took over the world? No. We lose here, get it, they killed Jesus, they killed all the apostles, we're all going to be persecuted. So, so apparently this, this idea uh, has been, what, broadened to, to insinuate that somehow um, John MacArthur isn't willing to fight uh, uh, cultural fights, he's not willing to 
uh, pay any sort of price for uh, promotion of the gospel or God's truth out there, which of course is it's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, do they stumble out of the gate a little bit um, with the COVID stuff? Yeah, a little bit, but they they righted the ship and and fought and won. Um, so so to claim that somehow this is this is a statement of well, we're just going to go hide in our church, not gonna not going to be involved in the culture and all that is, I mean, on its face is silly. If you look at the evidence, it's silly. If any man come after me, let him, what, deny himself, garbage of prosperity gospel. So we can see, first of all, MacArthur is very, he, I, I would argue, and I'm not, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I would argue that he is, he's not somehow pointing the finger at everybody who subscribes to post-millennial eschatology. He's not pointing to re, like reformed Presbyterians and, and their, their desire to um, engage in the culture war, their desire to uh, live faithful, uh, public, public and faithful, um, obedient lives, um, obedient to Jesus Christ. He, he's very clearly talking about prosperity hucksters. This, this, you know, um, uh, he's talking about he, he's talking about ministries that that basically say, hey, if you're obedient to Jesus, he's going to give you uh, success and wealth and power and influence in the world, um, which is very clearly an unbiblical teaching. But those folks, I mean, they they have to subscribe to post millennial eschatology, and I don't say that to say, well, you know, if you're a post millennialist, you're in the same camp as as Jesse Duplantis and and Benny Hinn or something like this or or you know you know the huckster Kenneth Copeland and these kind of people I'm not not saying that at all but you can you, again you have to frame this and understand this in the way that he is uh framing it and yes he's he's a premillennialist a leaky dispensationalist he would call himself but premillennial in terms of his eschatology and so his uh his criticism of post-millennialism um, would probably be, obviously he would disagree with that eschatology generally speaking, but in this case, he's, he's, he's pointing the finger very specifically at, um, you know, seven kingdoms, dominionist kind of, kind of uh, theology, which as far as I know, um, the reformed uh, Presbyterian types, you know, covenant theologians and uh, those that, that, uh, you know, that we have a lot in common with as far as what we believe, are not pushing that idea. And I don't think he's being critical of that here, but um, let's, let's listen to the rest. No, we don't win down here. Are you ready for that? Just to clear the air, I love this clarity. We don't win. We lose on this battlefield. But we win on the big one. The eternal one. So wait a minute. He, so, so he says at the end of this little clip that's been clipped out, we do win. We do win. It's just not. It's just not winning here and now. And that really is a that is a fundamental difference between premillennialism and postmillennialism. The idea, like as as a premillennialist, I see, I see us fighting the culture war uh, as 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 publicly and as strongly as we can. But it is Jesus that will have that victory upon His return. It won't be me here. Um, somehow through my own power building this. Um, and yet, I'll, I mean, you know, my, my uh, uh, proclamation of the gospel and my witness will be used by God to build his kingdom, 
which Jesus very clearly said is not of this world. And that yet like, yeah, I'm a human being right now and I live in this world and I have requirements in this world and I'm going to use every bit of my um, strength and obedience to in every way that I can influence this world for uh, for righteousness, for what I know to be true scripturally, but I'm, I'm not pretending like somehow, uh, through my own strength, I'm going to start, uh, taking ground in, in the, in a spiritual sense. That's for the Holy spirit and he will do it. And, and God willing, I will be used for that, but I, I'm not trying to pretend here like somehow, um, that, that, that God's will, that his, his kingdom coming and him building his church and him saving those whom he has already chosen to save is somehow dependent on me. This isn't, you know, it is a spiritual battle. We are battling, um, not, not with flesh and blood. Um, but I don't pretend for a second that, um, anything other than God's sovereign will will come to pass. Yes, it is. It is a war in the sense that, there are still people being saved and the world is, is moving forward in, in God's sovereign will. But I don't pretend for any second that there's any chance that, that, it, that it's even going to be close. We all know, we, at least we should know, that God could snap his fingers at any moment and it could all be over. Now, he said he's doing something else. He's, so he will be consistent. He's God. What he said will happen will happen, and it'll happen the way that he said it will happen, which is really the, a, a, a fundamental component of being a premillennialist. We just we, we read uh, Revelation and we read the scriptural accounts of these things as, as, as literally as possible unless there's a reason not to. Unless there's a, unless, unless there's a reason not to, that's why we ended up where we are and um, believing that what we believe about this. But I don't think for some sort of for, – for a second – that it's that it's um that there's any chance of failure here that there's any chance that what god says will come to pass won't come to pass of course it'll come to pass um so first of all i mean i would point out john macarthur didn't say lose theology he didn't say that he said we lose here and we win the greater victory we win the kingdom you know the kingdom of god which is not here on earth right now it's not. Jesus said this specifically. Um, let's bring, let's bring to bear uh, scripture on this. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to pull up a few passages for, for, first of all, just in, in basic general defense of, of premillennialism here. This is revelation 20 revelation 20 uh, starting in verse four, then I, then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. So first of all, let me, let me, let me point out, um, saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Uh, that sounds like persecution. That sounds like they lost something. Right, I mean, they lost their heads. They lost something. You know, this this is when John MacArthur says we lose down here. This is this is part and parcel of what he's talking about for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God. These people lost their heads. Um, continuing, 
uh, said they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And that, this is this is where we get the term, you know, why we use the term millennial kingdom. Why we it's a millennium, it's a thousand years. Uh, premillennialists like myself read this literally because there's not a reason to to read it as anything other. The rest of uh, the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Again, we see here a thousand years. Um, next next uh, passage I pulled up here. Uh, this is, let me flip it over here. Okay. This, I think, is an important thing that we get this right, because I agree, Somebody, people can take two-kingdom um, theology much, much too far to the point where they say, hey, we're just going to back out of the culture, we're not going to proclaim anything, and yet that's not the witness of the early church, that's not the witness of the apostles, that's not the witness of, of um, really, the entirety of church history is one of proclaiming the gospel um, in a, in a hostile world and facing persecution because of it. So John 18, um, 33, this is Jesus before Pilate. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the King of the Jews? Now, of course, in this moment, of course, Jesus is the King of the Jews. He's God. He's God. He's the, he, he, he rules over everything. He's entirely sovereign in this moment over creation itself. And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or do others say it to you about me? Pilate, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests had you delivered over to me. What have you done? Like Pilate didn't get like, he's all right. This is a religious thing with the Jews. What, you know, what's going on? Do I have some sort of a reason to get involved in this? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Pilate said, are, are, so are you a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So we, we see here Jesus very clearly saying, my kingdom and the advancement of my kingdom is not going to be by fighting. It's not going to be through these political channels and these political means. Now, again, this is not to say, you know, I mean, you know, Paul and the, and the apostles and the early church, I mean, they proclaimed it out in the open, no matter what it cost them. So this is not to say that we somehow back out of culture, but we have to be very clear that Jesus is, um, that, that as we advance Jesus's kingdom, this is a spiritual battle. This is saving souls, not conquering institutions. First and foremost, this is, it's important to understand this. We, we, I mean, we see the world crumbling around us and we want to get militant about it. And it's very easy to say, um, Hey, we have to combine these two things. No, they're not, com- they're both active, but they're, let's not get it mixed up. Let's not mix them together. Um, next passage here. This is, this is revelation eleven fifteen, the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord uh, and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. 
what is what is this telling us? The kingdom of the world um, becomes the kingdom of Christ. Again, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It will become of this world. That's coming. It's on its way. It, 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 is, it is prophesied. It will happen. It is being foretold right here, right? This, the kingdom of, this, of the world has become the kingdom. This is, this is a future event. This will happen. Um, and moving, moving on, um, and this, this, I think, relates very, very importantly to what John MacArthur was saying. This is Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Yes, you are going to lose here. You will lose your life for the sake of saving it, for following Jesus. For You will deny yourself and take up your cross if you want to come after Jesus. This is clearly what John MacArthur is talking about. He's not saying... Um, that every single uh, battle that we fight in temporarily here, every every time we proclaim God's truth and we do what's righteous, no matter the cost that we're that we're going to lose. He's not. This is not what this is. The but but what he's saying is that if if we tell people, if we tell people, if we tell believers that hey. Um, you're going to win here and now. We are not equipping them for what the Bible guarantees, what the Bible promises will happen. We are promised persecution. Um, we are promised that uh, we will have to leave everything to follow Jesus. Well, that that certainly seems like a bunch of loss, doesn't it? We're losing a whole bunch of stuff, including quite possibly our lives. To follow Jesus, this is this obviously this is what we're talking about, and and it's very clear from Scripture. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Does that make you a loser? Does that make you? I mean, being willing to leave everything to follow Jesus. Does that make you a loser? Are you are you following loser theology? If you leave everything to follow Christ, um, if if you are willing to endure persecution. Are you a loser? Is that loser theology? I, I don't think it is. We, we, lo- we, we give up what we can't take with us to, to gain life. That's, uh, it, it's, it's frustrating, to, like I said, to hear this being um, taken out of context the way it has been. Um, there's a couple more verses that I, that, that I want to talk about here. Um, if we go, let, let's, let's head over to, um, this is Matthew 5. Matthew 5, and let's jump down to verse, let's see here. This looks a little weird, but we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll do it anyway. So the Beatitudes, of course, in, in Matthew 5, um, and Jesus says, um, in verse 10, blessed are you, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, I mean, what, 
were those prophets doing something wrong? Were those followers of Jesus Christ from uh, previous generations, from church history and things who suffered for their faith, who were martyred for their faith, um, you know, persecuted, had their families taken from them? I mean, you name it. Uh, were, were they practicing loser theology? No, of course not. But they were losing something. They were losing um, their comfort. Uh, they were losing um, their, their, I mean, material possessions. They were losing family members, relationships, all the things that were um, temporarily valuable and important to them. They were willing to lose those things for the sake of um, winning Jesus, for the sake of the, for, for the sake of salvation, for the sake of the kingdom of God that is built um that is built on the backs of martyrs it's 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 you know it grows from the blood of martyrs who again they lose this is what i mean this is what john macarthur was talking about it's it's funny to me um you know interesting maybe funny i don't know how how i would say it i suppose but but it's funny to me that the 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 criticisms are coming towards uh, dispensationalists like um, dispensationalists, like somehow um, they've ever really been uh, especially in the 20th century ones to sort of just go practice their faith in private. That's not true. Dispensationalists have been some of the most politically active, some of the most willing to practice faith um, out in the open, in the public sphere. Um, and, and really we all should be because we know that the victory has been won. We know that if we really believe that God is sovereign in building his kingdom, he's sovereign in salvation, he's sovereign in um, the, the course of history that we are now on, uh, what are we afraid of? May I, I get hit, like I, I've said this before, I could get hit by a car tomorrow. And I know my salvation is secure, so why would I pull any punches? And I don't care if you're post-millennialist, pre-millennialist, amillennialist, whatever, um, the victory has already been won. And so why would we do anything other than publicly practice our faith? You know, no matter, no matter the price. What, you know, and, and the thing is, in, in the last, uh, what, what, three years, that's really, um, that's come home for us, right? It's, it's, it's now something that we've had to deal with on a very personal and real um, level. And I would argue a good amount of, of Christians professing Christians. I am let's, let's, let's say regenerate Christians. Um, they were not prepared. They, they had not prepared themselves to actually suffer. I mean, like a little suffering came their way and they immediately became disobedient. Um, a little bit of uh, pushback against their faith, the, the the practice of their faith, and they became disobedient. They chickened out. They were not ready to suffer. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, what, you know, necessarily why everybody who fit into that category fit into that category. But I'm convinced that some fit in that category because they were they were told the whole time that we're going to win down here. That 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 we're going to. Um, that the church militant will advance on the culture prior to the return of Christ. When, when the truth is that Jesus is building his church, despite what's going on, 
I mean, how can we look around right now at the things that we see and, 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 and see anything other than, um, you know, what, what would depress us and cause us to lose hope? I mean, if we really believe that we are um, conquering the culture and the institutions right now, uh, we're not doing a very good job. Is, is Jesus failing here? Well, of course not. Of course not, but his kingdom is not of this world. How can we look at the hundreds, thousands of years of church history and the brothers and sisters that have gone before us and suffered and paid the ultimate price for their faith and, and faced persecution and, and, and hardship and all these things that Jesus promised were coming? How can we look at them and say that they were faithful when very clearly they were failing, failing to bring about uh, the kingdom, failing to, to reconquer the world around them. Fail. I mean, th- this is, this is something that I, I would argue a lot of us because of our material wealth and because of our, our Western upbringing and the fact that we've never actually undergone any sort of real persecution up, up until arguably the last two or three years. Um, it's really easy for us to say, well, this is, we're going to soldier on to conquer these things for, for, for the kingdom here. Um, yeah, that's because you've never, you, you, you haven't actually lost. Guess what? They're brothers and sisters around the world right now who are losing at this very moment, but thank God they're losing, um, the temporal things, the material things, the things that God told that Jesus told them they would lose. They, they're picking, picking up their cross and following him no matter the cost. They're losing all of these material temporal things for what can never be taken from them, for, for salvation, for the gift of Jesus Christ and eternal life. You know, it's, it, they're not losers. They're, they're, they're not. And when, when, when they step back and say, I'm willing to lose these things, I'm willing to set them aside, I'm willing to to lose everything, leave everything, to follow Jesus, this is what this means. So, in, in, I mean, again, I would argue very, that's what John MacArthur is saying here. I have, I have heard uh, the argument, again, among, among brothers who, I mean, who, who I respect and love and value um, their voices and their ministries, uh, that hey, this this whole idea that we're gonna lose here but win in the end doesn't resonate with young men. It doesn't resonate with young 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 men need to believe that when they're being obedient, and when they're um, following what what Scripture teaches, and when they're when they're um, striving to be good men and good dads, good fathers, you know, good husbands, um, they're striving to make an impact on the world around them for righteousness. Uh, they don't want to hear that they're going to lose. They don't want to hear you're going to lose anyway. They, they need something to, to set their sights on for victory. I would say, yeah, that's true, but it's a spiritual victory. We need to be equipping our young men and, and women to an extent, but especially our young men. I mean, guys, my age and younger, um, we need to be equipping them with the truth and, and the, the ultimate hope in their salvation. Um, so they're prepared when the suffering comes. We, we in, in Western societies are not somehow avoiding persecution and suffering because we're just that much stronger. We're just, we're just much stronger than those, those Christians over in China or over in, uh, you know, um, Arab countries and things like that, that are suffering for their faith. 
It's not like we're, we're not better than them. We didn't somehow figure out a much more complete uh, theology that is helping us to basically dodge the persecution that they, that they are undergoing right now. My head is not on my shoulders because I've figured out um, how to take dominion over everything around me. It's by God's good grace. And maybe if, if I'm blessed enough, he will consider me worthy to suffer for, for the sake of the cross. I'm certainly going to find out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim it from the rooftops and uh, leave it up to the Lord what he wants to ask of me. But we need to be equipping our young men to suffer and to, to stand up and proclaim when the going gets rough. It's going to get rough. It's already gotten rough in some ways. And again, you look to other places around the world and it's rough right now. It's rough right now. What do you tell those people, those, those brothers and sisters in Christ who are being martyred for their faith, who are being murdered, who are having their children taken from them because they profess faith in Jesus Christ? Are, are we to say to them somehow, um, you know, you just weren't good enough at taking dominion. You just weren't good enough at um, understanding um, how to be obedient. Of course not. No, we, we point to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which is spiritual. And we say the victory is being won. Yeah. You're losing things here. You're losing your material possessions. You're losing the lives of those you love. You're losing every, all of these things. Um, that you valued in the here and now for what can never be taken from you for your eternal life. That's, 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 that's what MacArthur's saying. And I'm not, I'm not doing this, uh, this podcast here to defend John MacArthur, but let's at least, if we're going to, if we're going to point the fingers at the man for uh, dispensationalism or premillennialism or whatever, we, we want to be critical, you know, cause he's a boomer. Right. I mean, you know, and, and after all, he just doesn't understand things and, and it's time to put him out to pasture. I mean, I hear this, I hear this all over the internet and I want to tell people, um, you know, talk, talk to me when you've had half one quarter, the, the, the longevity of faithful ministry that that man's had, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt for crying out loud. And he says, I mean, what some of the people are saying online, right? Now, it's just, it's just it's embarrassing. It's shameful. You know, and I'm going to say that is, you know, I may get the finger pointed at me like, well, you're, you're, you're a boomer too. Then you're, you know, okay. You're just a John MacArthur sycophant and idolizing John MacArthur. Like I said, we've been critical when we felt it was necessary, but man, give, give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Understand him for at least argue against what you know he's saying, not some out of context clip. Anyway, I hope I got my point across. Uh, my post-millennial brethren, I still love you. We are not separating over this. We're not. We're not. We're, we're going to keep fighting together. Um, yeah, premillennialists like myself, Baptists like myself, um, are should be, can be, should be culture warriors, and that's what I. That's that's what I want us to be. And I'm going to keep doing it. You know, if it, if it costs me great, I, you know, I, I will consider myself blessed. Jesus said that. Blessed are you. So thank you so much for listening to Protestia tonight. Uh, hit me up with questions, uh, especially patrons. If anything I've said here is unclear, or you, you wonder where I'm standing on something. I know it was kind of long and, and back and forth a little bit, but I hope I got my point across. 
Uh, if you are a patron, stay tuned for the PTVIP, which will be coming up right after the music. And have a good rest of your week. Love you. As always, Semper Reformando.